The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Hey everybody, welcome to the winemakers. I'm John Myers, and we have a stellar team with us today. A nice pour, Sam. Thank you, it's been a while. I felt a little out of, it was a little rusty, felt a little out of practice. I'm glad that I could... Uh, well, that's, that is a be- you brought your game. A brought- beardless Sam Katuri this I, I, week. I get way closer to the microphone now. It's weird. You can, can you? So no, no more Grizzly Adams. We've got Brian Casey next to him. Kieran Robinson here with us from Kieran Robinson Wines, and of course, as always, Mr. Bart Hansen from Johnson and, and Dane Sellers. And uh, I keep trying to buy that Dane Sellers. I just I'm going to have to do just like a drug deal meet you in the parking lot of the Barking Dog Roasters, give you cash, and take a case. How's that? John, I'll drop it off. Okay, you can drop it off. That's Drug easy. dealers deliver now. It's 2017. I like that. So, anyway, um, we still have access to Kieran, which is really, really nice today. So uh, we went through uh, your, your history, and we went through a little bit about your... Um, Viognier's, and we just really started to get into your Syrahs and how you named them, etc. And then, then Sam rolled in. Sam later. rolls in, and now we've got you. You've got a half bottle, Brian, in front of you that looks very interesting. Whose is this? That's Brian's. <laughs> well, that was a that, weird segue. Yeah, that whole lead up, I thought, oh, we're going to talk about uh, the questions that Sam asked about the the uh, winemaking. We, we are, but I, you, you just opened and then, this, well, and I wanted to know. It's, uh, the bottle of Chateauneuf de Pop in John's eyesight is the shiny object. Yes, it is. It's it like, is. What are we talking about? Oh, Chateauneuf de Pop. That's yes, what we're talking about. Yes. It's like a little raccoon. I'll pick up anything <laughs> right. shiny. Yeah. So, yes, there's a half bottle of Squirrel. Chateauneuf open in uh, 2015, if you're interested. Um um, Where do you buy a half a bottle of that? Is this the bottle barn kind of thing? Actually, you know what? This is a Costco. The, uh, really? The Riesling that we were kind of sipping on as an aperitif when we um, first started today, the Dr. Lucen, and also this uh, Chateau we got it. Costco has the buying power um, to get really good deals on some of the wines. So, you know, it used to be grocery outlet bargain market where I would go try and cherry pick some of my wines. But now Costco is just getting the screaming deals. Um, besides well, bo- besides and, Bottle Barn and Benchmark. And, you know, um, you can find half bottles uh, pretty reasonable because somewhere along the way, a marketing department decides that they need half bottles, and then the sales department realizes that they can't sell them. So well, they're usually on clear out. You know where they where I sold the majority of half bottles was working for the Four Seasons Hotel. If you work in a business hotel and you need uh, room service, room right, service right. would sell the most half bottles because you'd have the single people traveling and they just wanted a couple glasses of nice wine. They didn't want the shite that you were pouring by the glass in the in their cafe or whatever. So they would order up a nice bottle, a nice half bottle of wine. But if it's, it's just in their not, expense account, yeah, I guess that's right. really it. Right. It's the expense account, yeah. not the uh, yeah. That's where you want to order the big bottle. So. Right. <laughs> right. All right, now, sorry about the segue. Uh, just yeah, it, it was the shiny obje- object that caught my attention. So, Sam, you had a bunch of questions. I did have a bunch of questions. We were 
tasting through the Kieran Robinson Syrah lineup that, that he has here today. And, I, you know, there's things that stuck out to me. And I, I want to hear a little bit about the winemaking process to see if, you know, the thoughts that I was having correlate to what Kieran does with those wines. So uh, just bring us through, you know, where you're picking it sort of, you know, uh, as far as lab results and taste and um, the land, what you're doing once it gets to the winery and what kind of barrels you're putting it into and, and when you're bottling it, that kind of, you know, all your secret sauce. Oh, oh, Perfect. Oh. Okay. Yeah, start with the land. But or, slow down because I take notes really slow. No, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, you'll just have to listen later then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so this vineyard, so most of this stuff is all from Vivio Vineyard in Bennett Valley, which is um, on the western side of Bennett Valley, right uh, as you come up Crane Canyon. It's uh, right off of Grange Road. It's Gwenza Road is the road that it's that it's off of, so it's a little bit cooler than maybe the eastern side of yeah. Bennett Valley, mm-hmm. and it's kind of blocked off by some some trees there. So um, it's a much cooler site for for even for Bennett Valley. Um, and so the John is from a hillside part, and that so it's you know pretty rocky, steeper less soil so it's a little bit more concentrated um in terms of numbers i guess that varies year to year um you're going by what it tastes like at the end mostly by what it tastes like um i don't like to taste like i don't know syrah can be a little bit tricky sometimes when it tastes good you've gone a little bit too far sometimes i don't know um for me i'm in like the if i had to pick a perfect number would be in like the 23 bricks range is is where i'm picking which up until 2012 that's all you would get to you know the 9 and 10 and 11 were picked in november and they were only you know 13 and a half percent alcohol but you know since once we got into the kind of the drought i mean that's that's San Josef hang time. Right. I mean, that's crazy. You're picking a 23 in November yeah. in California. Wow. And then the and then the drought hit, and then everything got pushed up a month, so you actually had to make picking decisions. It wasn't just like, oh, shit, it's going to rain. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's pull it. get it off. Yeah. Um, but it is, you know, I mean, it's true that that far west, I mean, it's a big difference than yeah. being on the other side of Sonoma Mountain makes a big difference. Or the Bennett... Bennett Valley Gap, or as you would call it, you know. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, that is what the, I mean. That is right. You're getting, and you're probably getting fog there coming from two directions. Is it coming up yeah. Petaluma and sort of down from Santa Rosa? Or? Yeah, that whole yeah. So that whole area, and you can tell like when you're there and the marine layer starts coming in. I mean, it's at least a half hour, forty five minutes till it gets to the other side of the valley. So yeah, right. you know, if it's coming in early, it's coming in at six o'clock in the other side of the valley. It's at seven, so you know you're losing a, a good hour of, of warm, warm. And it doesn't song. seem that wide, but it's actually pretty wide along there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a wider part of the valley, that section of it, I guess. It's a beautiful spot on Earth, isn't it? It is. It's ben, just I mean, exceptional. That's my fa- Benna Valley. If I had a, if if I hit the lottery, I'm gonna have a <laughs> plot of land right up on the top of that hill, exactly where. Kieran's getting the grapes from, and I think they do Rusan up there as well. They've in that, from that Vivio Vineyard. I think yeah, so there's Rusan there, there, and then right next door is one of uh, Jess Jackson's uh, premier Merlot vineyards. Right. Um, 
So it's right. It, it backs up to that. So it might. I, Merlot and Syrah seem to be the the best grapes to do in Bennett Valley. Brian, when you hit that lotto, yeah. do you mind building like a little granny unit in back <laughs> that I can rent from you? It's, uh, we'll call it an Ohana. Okay. <laughs> I'll build you a little Ohana in the back. So that's that's your Hawaiian background. You, you there. bring those magnums of the uh, Chambleu Blue and the Bocastel. I will. And, uh, I will. And I'll build you a little Ohana, John. Okay. Well, or just give them the password on your benchmark uh, account. Right. That'd be really <laughs> nice. <laughs> so yeah, we need to mention benchmark again. I just, just I'm 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 waiting for us to hit ten thousand downloads, and we're we're not when we open that bottle, we're not going back to work. We're gonna drink that bottle. Well, that's the that's ten thousand downloads. We get to open the the ninety eight. All of a sudden, my like efforts in wine uh, makers social media promotion will redouble. I'm like, I don't want to get to that shit. <laughs> I like that. Sam's gonna shave again. No, shave at ten thousand. I don't. I don't want to see that. <laughs> once happen. a once a decade seems pretty the, good. For the me. video <laughs> that you did of getting shaved. So you went to the barber shop. What in, on Highway Twelve? No, no, no. I, I um. That was at my parents' house. My mom oh. has a good friend who happened to be in town that week who um, owns a salon in Tahoe City. Okay. Uh, and she brought down <laughs> all of her, um, you know, it was basically like a sheep shearing kit, I think. <laughs> and, and she brought it all down, laid it all out, and I, and I had to do it in uh, the time-lapse mode because, you know, that was a solid... 45 minutes to get from where I was to, you know, bare skin. Well, you're looking good again, buddy. It's grown out. That's, yeah, that's the Sam I know. So. As Nick, as Nick Demarest said, uh, if I shave at 450, I have a five o'clock shadow. So. <laughs> God. All right. Tell grapes uh, picked at about 23 bricks. Oh, yeah. Oh, the thank you. Then, so when it comes into the winery, I mean, uh, I typically do starting in 2013 was, I started doing about 40, 50% whole cluster in the beginning. And then 2013, I finally got up to 100% whole cluster for for everything. Well, and can you tell us why? Like, why would someone do that? Because I'm sure people out there don't know what that means. Um, to me, it adds a lot of things. It adds a savoriness to the wine. Um, it adds a freshness to the wine. And I just love that, like white pepper, olive, tapenade type flavors that, that it brings. And is that something you learned at uh, Gaillard? Is that something they did there in France or is this something or at that least you had picked ex- up? Yeah, here? or at least had experience with it? Uh, a little bit of experience there. Um, it was kind of certain vineyards there they, they did it with and, and not. And then I just, I just kind of went like, I don't know. I think at, at Hobbs we were doing a little bit of it with the Pinot, and I knew of people doing it with Syrah. So I figured, you know, why not just, you know, in, in 2009, my first vintage, I was like, well, I'll do half this way and half that way and, and see what I like. And I just, I just loved it. And so I just kept every year going more and more. And being on that side of Bennett Valley and you get the hang time, you can get the stems to kind of ripen up a little bit. Right. Sometimes in the you know in the earlier ripening stuff, it's the 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 stems are just too much. You know they come yeah. in bright green and um, especially Syrah stems. Especially you know? Syrah stems. Yeah. But if they're right, they're right. They're not like cab stems. They don't taste like you know jalapeno peppers or anything <laughs> like that. Or um, so I just I just really enjoyed it and I've I've found I've been able to to get away with it and it just adds a, a 
really good aspect to the wine. And and how do you feel about a you know when the wines are first released? First of all, how do you release the wines? Do you like to do extensive barrel aging and then and then release the wines soon after they're bottled, or do you like to do sort of less time in the barrel and then do extensive bottle aging and then the the stems? I know they sort of add complexity, and, and do you find that over time that gets more and more pronounced um, with those stems in there, that you start to get more and more spice out of the stems after it's been in the bottle for two, three, four, five years, something like that? Yeah, so I, I, I think I like to do less barrel time. You know, I'm probably at about 14 to 16 months, um, and then more bottle time. So I was saying earlier, I don't know if it was on air, but I'm like transitioning from my 13s to my 14s right now. So this 13 is, is kind of my current vintage. And I think it's kind of really kind of on on point right now. Sometimes it's, yeah, you have to release the wines later than a lot of stuff on the market because you're doing whole cluster and there's those tannins need to really kind of but I like that come together. And, and I, I really think they do. make it more kind of food friendly. Um, it really makes you kind of want to eat a piece Just of makes meat. It or stand out. Yeah. Um, it's different. So everything I do is uh, all native ferment. Um, I try and do as little as possible. All these wines are native fermented, no additions, and I was, besides sulfur. Sulfur now, is the only thing I use. You, or try doing to the whole cl- the whole cluster um, pressing, do you use any particular type of different bladder to press or i mean sometimes people are when they do the whole um the whole cluster pressing that they're very careful about that because if you get too much stem in there it's a little too much minerality a little too much of the stem yes beggars can't be choosers so i've always used the press that is available at the winery um and it's always it's always been like a, a pneumatic bag press so you're uh, like us. You yeah. have a multi-hundred-dollar-a-year budget. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I do. I usually do keep them separate so I can make that decision later. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll take the, the free-run wine and put that in barrel and then take the press wine and, and put that in barrel. And then as it presses, I put it – I go right out of press into barrel. So, like, the early press is separate from the late press. And then that way I can kind of make decisions from that. And and will that will that decision come pretty quickly, or do you let them age out for a while? I just I usually do all my blending like you know a couple of weeks before bottling. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of let it all flesh out and right. and figure it out then. Um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of under the idea that I'll, I'll wait as long as I can to make a decision on what to put with what. Right. Um, but for the most part, the wines are in terms of where they're coming from in the vineyard. They they're pretty separate anyway. Um, do you see a lot of difference um, block to block and within each block? Yeah, so the John usually comes from the hillside, so it's a little bit more concentrated, and the R5 comes from like a lower section. Um, so it's usually a little bit more round. There's a little bit more clay in the soil, so it holds a little bit more water. Um, and then... Um, the passing of the Shatner to Pape. <laughs> and then, um, and then you can tell it's Kieran's first time here at the winemakers. He passed it on without pouring. Well, right. Well, I'm, not, I'm not done. I'm not done yet. Well, oh, we have we have plenty of glasses. Oh, plenty for you, of glasses. Oh, plenty right. of glasses. Um, 
And then going back to barrel use, I do usually use about 30 to 40% new oak on the John and then the R5, I'm less than that. And typically, I like to use um, like lesser toasted barrels, so like medium, medium long barrels to lighter toast barrels, um, just to kind of help add a little bit of that mouthfeel and a little bit of aromatic lift but i don't like them to, to be too noticeable no you don't want it's smoke taint right i mean it's essentially well, it's, i mean syrah is smoky i mean syrah right. has naturally the compounds that um you know the labs are charging us all lots of money for <laughs> to to find this you know smoke taint compound and i probably won't pronounce it guike call is all i don't know uh but so it, it's in syrah naturally so you know using a, a medium toast light toast barrel um especially with you know the the winemaking process that kieran's doing um you get a little sweetness probably from those barrels without getting smoky it would if it was a smoky barrel i think you'd lose a lot of that the pepper that is right. you know a lot of that right. sort of spice that's coming from those stems but they do make um heavily smoked barrels oh yeah, yeah absolutely I mean, it's, it's, sure and 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 you know those are made for specific wines and whatnot right and, um, you know, you have neutral, you have, I mean... Uh, there's a million variations and a million ideas behind I those variations. I just don't know how you make those decisions. I mean, you have to use it. Well, you know what? Ask Bart, because I, I thought it was interesting. I think I was at Lasseter one day, and Bart had several samples that were from... Do you guys decide every year what cooperage to go with or what combination of cooperages we, we use a combination of cooperages right and um you know there are certain ones that lend themselves better to certain varieties right um or certain programs you know for our Rhone wines we are also you know on a, a, a the barrels we use are are lighter to medium toasted and we use a lower percentage of new oak in it um you know in the past we've um you know cabernet has been you know, 60 to 70% new oak, or, or I should say Bordeaux varieties. This year, you know, we're doing things differently, and it's a whole bunch of new oak. And so it's going to be mm. very interesting to see how it works out. But you guys are willing to experiment. So you'll try different cooperages, try the different um, treatments of the oak, and then see at the, at the you know, at the end, sure, as yeah. you get but, in there, what, but, it's, what it's tasting like. But, you know, unfortunately, sometimes, and we're still a very small winery, and sometimes our oak trial is, you know, one barrel from 10 different Coopers. Right. Well, that's the same as buying a Cadillac that was built on a Friday, right? I mean, you just don't know what you're getting. Um, have you not heard that one, Sam? Oh, that's an old one, man. It really <laughs> is. Or actually, worse than a Friday is a Cadillac built on a Monday. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but you don't... I only I mean, buy midweek Cadillacs. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Sam, no, you you've know, got three or four, right? You, Wednesday, I'm, Thursday? Yeah, yeah they're uh, yeah. In, in the collection of your toy cars, John. There you go. To, to get a true, you know, barrel trial, you need, you know, 10 barrels or five barrels, you know, to really get an idea what the average is as opposed to a one barrel. So, yeah, because anyway. I mean, toasting barrels is a bit of a it's a house thing anyway. You know, every every Cooper is like a winemaker. They all have different ideas as what a bar- barrel should bring to to the wine and not every single you may have two medium toast barrels next to each other. But they're toasted a little bit differently, maybe because somebody else 
did it differently. Yeah, or the fire was a little bit different right. that afternoon. It's an interesting process. Before yeah. lunch or after lunch. Right. Cooper. I go back to, you know. <laughs> Monday morning. Yeah. I mean, you know, we heard about what the break was at, uh, in, in the Rhone when uh, Kieran worked there. It was salamis and wine. 10 o'clock break. 10 o'clock, yeah. It's just like right now. I mean, we, we meet at 11. We've got salami, brie, gluten-free crackers. It's perfect. <laughs> Actually, this isn't a bad gig. And, and, and I brought Sam some uh, gluten-free work. chocolate chip cookies, too, from my wife. <laughs> so, you know, I, have, I just poured myself a glass of the uh, winery 1600, 16 boo. Um, boo thing. The 15 Syrah, Sam. Yeah. You know, that vineyard, your dad offered me some grapes from that vineyard once, and I passed on it. And he offered you Syrah? Oh. Yeah. That motherfucker. That was, no, but this was, this was pre-16600, pre <laughs> and I noticed it's never been asked since. No, know, we, um, I, you know, it's the only Syrah in our program right now, um, and I, I don't have a problem selling it. It's, it, I've, at least with this one, sort of beaten the Syrah rap uh, in a way, and, and this 15... Um, the reason I brought it, I, I um, accidentally brought a couple bottles to dinner on Friday night. I, I meant to bring an older vintage. The box was mislabeled. I'm blaming Paul. Um, <laughs> Ouch. <and> that, <laughs> that guy. <laughs> <laughs> that guy. Uh, and the 15, so we bottled it this summer. I, I won't release this until the spring at the earliest, but it's the first time. Tasting good we now. Add, I, I know. It's, it's the first time we added Viognier skin to the fermentation. Cool. Uh, now, that's where I was going is what is the winemaking on this? Bottle? Yeah, it's, um, you know, fully distemmed, um, picked ripe, um, very, you know, much riper probably than uh, 23. Um, and, uh, but we, so we took Viognier skins from the steel plow vineyard, which we picked three weeks earlier, uh, took them to Bob Cunard's walk-in freezer in five-gallon buckets from Freeman Brothers nice. and froze it. And when we picked the Syrah, pulled, them out of the, pulled it out of the, um, the freezer and wet it, laid it, you know, put it in the sun, let it defrost, and threw it into the fermentation. We did one fermentation. It worked. It, it works. It, it's, I mean, the, like I said, the Dos Limones Syrah is always one of our, you know, sort of club member favorites. Uh, and 15, add the Viognier, and it, it just, it finishes, it was a very rustic wine, and it finishes, um, you know, what we were going for. It kind of, like, adds this. Hey, you know, I'm loving your touch. 09. I, I love the 09. Uh, the, the 2007 yeah. Syrah is why this it all happened. Um, probably the grapes that Bart turned down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, but you, you did a good thing with it, yeah. obviously. So, yeah, yeah, probably was. Yeah. You know, I love the wine, Sam. It has this lift to it, mm-hmm. um, especially on the finish. That that's amazing. So, yeah, whoever's de- who, whose decision was that to uh, to do a little Viognier skin? I'd never heard of that before. I've heard of co-ferments, but um, I've never heard of just adding the skin. So, I I was sitting next to Mark Harold at dinner at the Harvest Moon, and I brought a bottle. You know, this was. The 15, so I probably brought a bottle of 2012 Syrah. And, uh, you know, I always, it was a Cayman dinner. It was all the people who work at Cayman. And I always show up with 16, 16 boo. And um, I poured some for Mark, and he goes, oh, this is really good. Put some Viognier skin in it. Huh. And, you know, it was a little bit of sort of like coordinating, and the Enterprise Vineyards crew works with a, a certain amount of inertia so to get them to sort of do this um, sort of weird off thing for me and collect the Viognier skins and freeze them and then pull them back out. Um, 
but I, I, yeah, I'll give I'll give Mark credit for it. Um, you know, it's what they do with with the Cayman Syrah uh, in sort of a much more extracted, intense version than even this. Um, and it's Cote Roti style. There's one uh, appellation in in Northern Rhone where up to ten percent maybe uh, Viognier can go into the Syrah. Um, and there's this actually, and I don't know the science. Maybe the winemakers know. The actual winemakers, not the podcasters, um, know the science behind uh, like an enzyme in Viognier skins that will extract more color from the Syrah skin. I don't really know how it works, but adding Viognier to Syrah sort of counterintuitively makes it darker than if you were adding white grapes. Okay, Karen and, 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 and Bart, also, you're on. Well, I I don't know that, but I've also heard that it's it's the skins. It's not whole grapes. It's right, right. the key is just adding skins, right? Yeah, I mean, you work there. Come on. <laughs> I, don't, I, I know that's true. The the it is up to ten percent. And were you in coat routine? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's right, Garrett. Okay. Um, and I don't know the science behind why it pulls out more color, but it I, it does. And also, it's used as because Viognier there is usually picked. I don't know two and a half weeks prior to Syrah. It's it's also like a sugar boost. For the wines also, so they can get a little bit more alcohol in their wines also. Uh, so they're uh, they're letting Viognier hang. I mean, it's 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 a field blend. So they so they let the Viognier hang. They pick it for white grapes, and then they leave and then ten percent out there and ten percent out know. there. And then so they're getting you know they pick the Viognier at at twenty two and a half bricks, twenty three bricks. But once they pick it for the Syrah, it's you know twenty five bricks. Huh. So there it it does give them a little bit more. And I mean, let's face it, it, it just makes the wine a little more, I mean, yours isn't a typical over, um, over extracted Syrah because mm-hmm. of the whole cluster, right. which is, makes it wonderful. But sometimes that's the knock on Syrah is just, it's too much. It's too intense. It's too extracted. It's too grapey. Um, and the Viognier helps cut that. I'm tasting this again. It, it keeps some of the Viognier acidity. There's, there's definitely, and I think that's the lift that you were talking about, Brian, is yeah. this little sort of spark at the end of it um, that, you know, of the wines on the table, the thing that reminds me of the most is, is Kieran's Viognier, which I, I really enjoyed. So, uh, you know, I'm excited to keep, we actually now, we planted a few rows, added a little bit to the vineyard, and like 10 rows, and three of them were budding to Viognier. So we'll be able to do a true field blend with it, and no. You know, you're gonna have to net the Viognier and, and hang it uh, and pick it all with the Syrah. They also like overcropped the Viognier, so it would be a little bit mm. behind. There's always like a kicker cane uh, on there that yeah. they that so it would it would that be might a be little, hard for Phil. A little bit behind. Overcrop is not in. I'm just gonna have to hide those three rows from it. <laughs> <laughs> like this, like hey Phil, look over there. Right. <laughs> hey, let me show you this. Let me show you this problematic vine over here, Dad. <laughs> I think there's a leak in this manifold. Let's go over here. <laughs> Step away from the vineyard. Keep him just to keep him out of the secret. He, That's he's it. the he's the only grape grower I know of who would rather have less crop than more crop, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Everybody else is like, well, can we hang a little? No. <laughs> Phil's like, I'm dropping half of that fruit, whether you like it or not. Andy Erickson or yeah. other famous <laughs> winemaker. <laughs> well, on the other hand, he's got the background to do it, and. You know, I mean, what he produces obviously has um, given him a nationwide, if not international, yeah. reputation. Great. 
So keep hiding in front. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good thing. And what are you guys doing now, Sam? You guys are already, you're all in, right? Yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're done picking grapes. Um, you know, the added job right now is fire cleanup. Um, you know, fences, manifolds, wow. quibbing that burned. But um, sort of typical end of October, early November work is uh, erosion control. And actually today we started picking olives. So, you know, there's a, a few oh, clients that have olive trees. I need um, some more olive oil. You need some olive oil. <laughs> uh, and we'll, I think we'll pick 1,600 olives later this week. So it's a good year for that, huh? Uh, well, you know, last the, year wasn't, this, right? Last year was a really off yeah. year volume-wise. The oil right. was great. Uh, this year, the trees are loaded. Um, but, you know, the as much as there's sort of a lack of knowledge and science and data on wine on smoke tainted wine, uh, olives, it's even, you know, the, it's even a greater sort of dearth of Just knowing gonna have what's to going on. So yeah, we're going to well, um, Arden, see what happens. Arden is the expert. So if the olive oil doesn't pass, uh, my mom's muster, I'm not allowed to sell it. So, uh, if I have olive oil available in about a month, it's because my mom liked it. And if I don't, <laughs> you uh, you know, you can come over and get a jar of cooking oil and I won't tell anybody. Uh, you know what though? I, I, it'll be in a larger bottle. I still kept Alice's, uh, hand painted box yeah. on, on my, uh, shelf over there. I mean, that was beautiful. And that I, was you fun, know, that was a fun project. Yeah, it was beautifully done. Um, Great olive oil, and, and, and knowing that Arden was such a... I didn't know she was such an expert in it until we put that little party together. Mm. She actually taught my friends about olive oil, and I learned a lot. So now we only buy the ones that are dated California when they're made, right, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, we, we should... Forget the Bertoli and the giant bottles yeah, to, I know, mean, of crap from Italy, you know? Um, Supposedly, there are, you know, something that winemakers deal with all the time is the amount of regulations on what we can say on labels and what we can't say on labels. Uh, with olive oil, there's basically no labeling laws at all. So, extra virgin doesn't really mean anything. Um, cold press, cold press. Pre there's, there's no. These are all just essentially can be marketing terms. So, what my mom does. Um, with the California Olive Oil Council is tastes samples of, of oil. And if it meets uh, sensory evaluation, it can be called certified extra virgin by this panel. So um, that's, you know, one of her day jobs. And um, from that, she does a lot of olive oil education because people don't know that. And you go to the supermarket and you see all these things and you buy the one from Italy because it sounds cool and it's right. in a big bottle. Exactly. But, um, you know, the most important thing to look for, even if it doesn't have, you know, certified extra virgin from COOC is the harvest date. You don't want to buy olive oil that was, doesn't have a harvest date and you don't want to buy olive oil that has a harvest date. That's more than like 18 months to two years old. Olive oil is the opposite of wine. It doesn't age. Some of the stuff that, you know, we've bought, you know, some's light, really light green. Some's very dark. You know, I mean, I, I never knew anything about the, it. Until the color is inconsequential. Really? The color is in, yeah, they taste oil in these little blue glasses so that you're not influenced. Look at the color. You're not influenced by the color. Yeah. 
Fantastic. I, I was amazed to watch that demonstration where everybody. Maybe was, we should do a, a little olive oil special. Have just have my mom come. Yeah, that'd be good. Kind of like we have to hide the VA from my dad. We'll have to hide the microphone from my mom because she's totally nervous about it. But um, have her take us through a little olive oil education for. I'll you know, get on, a lot of their live on air. remote. Yeah, exactly. So everything that she says is right. on. Right podcast not everything <laughs> well where do you guys get do you only have the olives growing up at your dad's house uh and we get the olives from caymans for 16600 and where do you take them to to get pressed um we go to the mcavoy ranch at marin they have a they have a press there that we use yeah. um yeah we used to go to some other places but you know my dad uh Imported about ten thousand olive tree cuttings in the early late eighties, early nineties with with Bob Kennard and this guy named Lorenzo Petroni who uh, <laughs> owned the North Beach restaurant in San Francisco. And oh his, yeah, his family has yeah, they have Petroni vineyards here, and uh, so through that, I mean, really hundreds of thousands of olive trees across California came through that nursery that they set up, uh, and really has you know my dad has a relationship with just about every olive producer. Uh, in California, that way, so we, you know, we can rely on friends to help us. Uh, press did our you oil. spray the trees um, this year like you did? Yeah, we, we flock yeah. them with a. Uh, it's beautiful color. It's a silver it, color. I think mm -hmm. it's what diatomaceous. It's, it's diatomaceous earth, some clays, and um, some organic uh, pesticides it makes to deal with silver. The, and it's beautiful. The, uh, yeah, they look like Christmas trees. You know, they look like flocked Christmas trees, and it helps deal with the the olive fruit fly. One of the benefits of the fire, uh, olive groves that burned and olive trees that burned in backyards um, would have burned out all of the uh, the fruit fly larvae on the ground. So there's places, you know, there's there's things that... Uh, I can say there was a lot less fruit flies in the winery this year. Yeah. I mean, it, post, it was remarkable. Post fire. Yeah. 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 And yellow jackets. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Do, you guys, do you guys sell the olive oil on your website or is that just something for friends and family? Uh, depends on how much I get. So okay. if we have enough, it'll be on the website. Usually it's you know, friends, family, club members, and then tasting room is kind of the order. Um, but it all depends. You know, sometimes I have it in the tasting room through July and August, and sometimes it disappears by March. So, okay. well, then I don't, I don't, I feel like we didn't get to talk about Karen's actual site. Like, where, what are you doing day to day? Where are you working? You're obviously doing crush press bottling at your facility which is where so it's up right outside of healdsburg off of west dry creek road um, okay it's uh, that's a beautiful spot you guys have a, is there a sign or is it because you said it was by appointment only it's it's by appointment only basically you can go onto my website and and there's a little thing on there to visit us and then but would you drive but would we drive by no, it all day no, and never notice it well it's about a mile up off of west dry creek road so okay. it's like a one lane driveway yeah um it's actually Brack Road is the road. Is that it near Rocchioli then on that side? Other side. Other side. It's on the west side. Of well, that's West Side Highway. Well, Waller Bridge. It's so farther keep, north. Keep going. Right? Off of, it's it's uh, about two miles from Madrone Manor. Um, so you turn, okay. you turn there and then it's about two miles. Um, Simoncini Winery is at the bottom of our street. And then you go about a mile up and we're up there. I've got a friend, John Hawley, who's way up on one of those mountains. You go to Dry Creek Grocery, 
go up the mountain from there in a couple miles. And yeah, they were on the other side of the valley from right. us. Beautiful place. Yeah. He makes very overbold wines. Um, but <laughs> That's Dry Creek. They, they are right. awful damn good. You know, you, you look at a wine and you think, what the hell did, is John going to do with this? Let's <laughs> open it up and find out. Man, you are always surprised because he, they're extremely bold. It, it's, it's kind of a California style mm-hmm. on everything. And that's not my style. You know, well, that's interesting, Karen. Why are you over there if you're sourcing from, say, Stagecoach or from Vivio? That seems to be on the opposite side of the, of the mountain range. It kind of goes along with my same press operations. Beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> right. And I was able to lease a permitted winery up there, and I share it with a buddy of mine. And uh, who's your buddy? Who's Michael Scorsone? Okay. Um, oh, I met Corleone. I met him at a tasting sometime before the fire. All the probably he was. Uh, he was at uh, one of those Sawyer, Sawyer, Sawyer Caselli. Caselli. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. last time I saw him was the last couple of times I've seen him has been at that. Yeah. Um, that Chris Sawyer. Group. Yeah. yeah okay. Chris Sawyer and Keith Caselli, who's mm-hmm. the CFO for for, for, for Don and Sons. Yeah, for the Spaziani's. That's, that's what he says. Yeah, that's what he says. He is. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's, they, really, what they think they do is they spend Don's money buying wine for that's these tastings thing. that they put on. Yeah. And, we get invi- and we get invited to them. Sometimes. Thank God. Yeah, sometimes we get invited to them, and they're amazing. <laughs> but but, yeah. right. but Michael yeah. Michael worked for Don and Sons for a while, right? Uh, no, no. No. Okay, I thought he did somewhere. No, along the he. Way. Uh, What's his label again? I can't. I'm trying to remember. It's uh. Judge Palmer, Judge Palmer and yeah. Domenico Amato. Right. So Judge Palmer is is Bordeaux varieties and Domenica's more of a Rhone, but kind of whatever they want to make, you know, wines that they really like. So, and then okay. he's the winemaker at Adobe Road? He was. He was. Oh, so no longer. Okay. No, kind of once we started renting this place, we all kind of pulled the ripcord on our, yeah. pe- Good on for our you guys. jobs and, yeah. and d- doing this. Um but we share the winery, but our labels are completely separate. Right. Yeah. So if you go into the tasting room there, you can try your wines or his wines, or you basically pay a tasting fee and pay. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't really try. I mean, it's it's very casual. You sign up, you come. It's it's if you want to taste my wines, it's going to be me there, my wife. It's a, it's right. on a weekend. Christy can do it sometimes. Um, Is it you, just weekends? No, no. Okay. I mean, it's it's whenever. I mean, seven days a week for the most part. Um, but if I'm up there, you know, I'll be topping barrels, and when you show up, we'll go do a tasting, and I'll go back to work, and so it's. it's I very, like tasting very in the in the barn. Believe me, yeah. you know, tasting out of the barrels. Uh, the tasting room has kind of gone a little too far in some places for me. Um, I just don't. I don't need a giant pool outside with cabanas. <laughs> I don't need everything <laughs> wow, that's going that to. Was, that was directed at something. I, I, uh, the, talk about the Godfather. John, yeah, I was going to say John might Ooh. literally wake up with a horse head in his bed tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> On the other hand, uh, who needs that? I don't. I would much rather go to the barn and taste and talk and just communicate and. Yeah, I mean that's that. That's how we wine. do it. I mean, I'm for the most part a one man band, so it's you know. Um, my wife has another full-time job working for an ad agency. That sounds so, familiar. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Having spent 35 years in advertising, so I'm, I'm glad she's doing it now because I couldn't. Yeah. I mean, it's changed. That it business has. is... It has. 
wildly different now. So you have the you have the crush crush facility. You got the tanks. You got the barrels. Everything is right there on that property. Everything's there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So your data. So so what do you do every day? What do you you? I mean, you're looking at it. We just sit around and drink wine. Right. <laughs> Winemakers only work a month a year. Yeah. Brian, yeah. <laughs> uh, what I do mean, you do every day? I mean, right now. Well, <laughs> right I, now, not too much. <laughs> well, you're you're sitting around drinking great wine with right. a bunch of friends. No, no, I'm curious because I w- what, I think noon? this this Something is interesting like to hear because Kieran is one of those guys like Dane, uh, like like Bart. Um, Bart actually a little bit different because Bart's got a full time job at Lasseter, but he's also making his own um, small production wines. But but Kieran is one of those guys who's making he's making a Syrah, a Viognier, and then a Pet Nat, mm-hmm. um, and he's got his own facility. So. This is one of those places that you actually want to come visit when you come here because he's not out working his normal nine to five job at some other winery. He's actually just doing his wines full time. Um, I do. Care. I do have one client I make wine for, and that's at the Sugarloaf facility here up in um, Northern Sonoma Valley. Kenwood. Kenwood. Oakmont. Oh, oh, Oakmont, that Oakmont. new Oakmont. custom crush place up there. In oh, Oakmont. interesting. Is that open? Okay. Yeah. 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 Second vintage yeah. this year. Yeah. Um, but this is one of those places where you, they can actually go there and taste wine and taste with you. Yeah. It'll, and, it, it'll always be with me or my wife. So, right. Yeah. Most likely me. Right. Yeah. Um, so my day to day, I mean, right now it's, you know, we're wrapping up harvest. I have one more tank to press out. Um, that is my client's uh, Cabernet Franc. Um, and then, you know, getting everything to barrel and, you know, come winter months, it's more sales for me than, than anything. Because, right. you know, only doing around 1,000 cases, it's one or two days of, of topping and one day of lab work. And that's about it for, for wine work until bottling season. So, because huh. um, I, don't, I don't rack my wines usually, you know, they... Once they're in barrel, they stay there till I'm done. So, so basically, he doesn't do much. No. It sounds right? Like this me. is what I'm hearing too. I mean, the sales must right? be intense because, you know. No, but but I'm feeling is. I'm feeling like this kind of a kindred spirit. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, my wife doesn't listen to this podcast. Well, I was gonna say that's what we all hope. Like, yeah, exactly. You have an incredible wife, actually, ass but right, she is very supportive, yeah, just like but, my wife. But we will yeah. give her a great shout out, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. And tell her how much uh, you appreciate it. And in Kieran's defense, I'm sure that going home to Philadelphia to sell wine, about 90% of that is dominated by different family members and uh, the conversations. And, you know, uh, in my family, it's the Jewish goodbyes that basically takes up about half of your vacation. So, Well, we're, uh, we're Irish, so we just leave without Oh, right, the them. Irish goodbyes. <laughs> a totally different... Poof, they're gone. Kieran was here, right? I think. I think so. Oh, yes, it's look the at the empty bottles. I actually Irish goodbye at a, at a wedding this week. I, it was the most awkward thing. I, I like felt so... like I had to go and say goodbye to everybody. No, I just disappeared. I, I'll never do it again. It's the, it's the easiest. <laughs> Sam Bolton. That was it. You pulled a Katuri. Yeah. That's, well, that's, a, that's a classic move from Sondra Bernstein when she has her events. She doesn't want to say goodbye to everyone, so she just kind of slips out the back door. Yeah. So maybe it's, Smart a, woman. maybe it's a Philly thing yeah. then. Maybe oh, right. You're right. Awesome. She is a Philly girl. That's, yeah. So you learn that in Philadelphia. Well, I want to say hi to uh, Sondra Bernstein and thank her for a wonderful dinner for our anniversary. Happy oh, anniversary. That was your anniversary then? Yeah, that was, it was. And, uh, you know, it's it's been so many years that I've known my wife, and we've only been married 16, but 
God, I've known her for like 30, which is pretty hysterical. And, uh, you know, being out here, um, Girl and Fig was my choice. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I feel very comfortable there. They have great food. They have wonderful wine. Um, and they didn't say anything about the Marco. Okay, Bart. Right. <laughs> so, not at all. They just opened it and, and decanted it, and they were very, very nice. They decanted half, and then you, we came you, home and you killed missed the rest it. of it. <laughs> he, he didn't bring a bottle of Rhone wine, too. I took a Marco. I took a Marco. <laughs> Sorry. What can I say? Got his whole dinner paid for and corkage. <laughs> it's like wearing a New York Giants jacket to an Eagles game or something, right? Uh, not as you don't bad. Do not, that. As cool. da- not as dangerous. Yeah, not well, as I don't dangerous. know. You know, those curl in the fig employees, they might <laughs> throw things. <laughs> well, it was Kim McCardle and... Uh, uh, Kim, and, you know, she got fired up. The, yeah. uh, she's Irish. So she's Irish. She has, so she's got a temper. But no, it was absolutely beautiful. I want to say thanks. Um, I did stop by the Rhone Room. They were not open. I was trying to buy a bottle of Pure for the dinner, but it didn't work out. But I got the flowers right next door. I think so. they're only open right now, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Thursday, yeah. Friday. Um, yeah. When Sonner comes back, hopefully yeah. maybe a few more days and as things get back on their feet, because I... Do have a bottle of Chon uh, Bleu Rosé sitting in their refrigerator? Yes, you would, do. That I would like to get. Leo, so maybe no, I'll, maybe Leo I'll stop by that. and pick that up for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening out there, don't give anyone my bottle. <laughs> well, okay, guys. Thanks so much. Um, another great episode. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to make sure that everybody knows a Dane Sellers. DaneSellers.com. Shannon Blanc, twenty-eight dollar. It's retail? live. How it's much is it? Every time you mention Shannon Blanc on the podcast, the price goes up two dollars. Okay, it's, no, 30, it's thirty. Then, <laughs> then it's seventy-four dollars by at this point. No, nope, it's a deal. It's a deal at twenty-eight dollars. Uh, Buddha's Dharma Vineyard, awesome wine. It's beautiful. John loved it. Yeah, yeah no, I, I had a bottle a couple weeks yeah. ago, and it, uh, I'm hoping to get more. Um, I, why don't you meet? me in the parking lot of Barking Dog Roasters will do the drug deal and then just, you know, cash, I know. I actually turn my wife on. onto it. So my wife normally drinks sparkling, but she will drink Bart's Chenin Blanc, so I'm hoping she will split a case with me. And of course, uh, thank you, Karen, for coming. Uh, yeah, thank you for having absolutely me. Absolutely wonderful having Finally you. Finally got him here. Yep. Best yeah. winemaker you never heard of until hmm. now. And yeah, hopefully, I'll get you to ten thousand so you can drink that one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, if you'd like to be here, we'll get you do in that. that. We'd be love careful to, what you ask for. Um, we'd love well, to include. All right, you I'm here. I mean, it's a, you know, <laughs> It's only a magnum. It's not a double magnum. It's not an imperial. It's not. But but I think we can make it last for yeah, we'll okay. you know for an afternoon. We'll just and open other things. I think that's exactly <laughs> what we want to do. And uh, so, Kieran, how does everybody get in touch with you? Uh, Kieran Robinson Wine. Wines.com, K-I-E-R-A-N, RobinsonWines.com. And briefly, if you can, Kieran does a pet gnat, and uh, this year he did a Viognier Wait, pet gnat. Please, yeah, explain yeah, yeah. So pet gnat. It's not, it's not like an ant farm. It's not a bunch of little hmm. bugs that you have in a, in a little <laughs> glass encased things. Can you tell us what pet gnat is so and what you do? Pet gnat is it's short. It's all the rage right now. Right? Is, is short for petillant naturel, which means natural sparkling. In French, oh. and basically you're skipping a step. Um, typically, traditional champagne is made by making a still wine, and then you add yeast and sugar back into the wine in the bottle, and you let it ferment 
in bottle. Basically, for a pet nat, you are bottling it at the end of primary fermentation. So when it gets to about 12 to 13 grams of sugar, um, you put it into champagne glass with the crown cap and you let it finish. Um, and then what you want to do... And crown cap, just quickly, so so you're not putting a cork in it. You're putting, just so people out there beer that don't cap. know, beer you're putting basically a cap like you would see on a beer bottle. Exactly, right. okay. exactly. And then it finishes fermenting in bottle that way. And then depending on your style or, you know, how you're going to sell it. Some people disgorge it, you know, they, they riddle it, bring the, bring the lees down and, and take it out. Or a lot of styles are, they just keep the lees in there and it, they kind of sell it cloudy. Um, but it's, it's a wine that's meant to be drank young, fun, kind of aperitif. Um, Perfect. We had it at, um, Do you disgorge? Uh, last year we didn't. Um, this year we did the bottles, and it's it, it varies every year. Last year the bottles were a little explodey, so <laughs> excuse me. Yeah. Is, that, is that a term? Yes, it's very very highly te- technical. Very technical, here, John. And um, exactly what happens when it's explodey? So, so it was. Depends so we made on. it from Syrah last year. So it was a pretty deep rosé, and I could just have. I just had visions of people like opening this wine on a white carpet <laughs> and then me getting a dry cleaning bill, um, further ceiling painting bills. Yeah, yeah. Um, so basically we only kind of, we, we only really do it, taste it at, at, up at the winery for people to try. We don't even really sell it. Um, okay. So that's not something people could get shipped to them. Well, the, the new pet nat that is bottled and fermenting now, which hopefully will be available right after the new year will be able to because we are going to disgorge it so we can make sure we don't have those explodey problems. So basically what, what's happening, John, is the sh- you, the sugar that's left and the yeast are fermenting and the byproduct is two things, right? Alcohol and carbon dioxide. That's how it has bubbles. Right. But the explodey bottles... Um, that fermentation was really effective, and there's now it's a lot of effective. carbon uh, CO2 built up, and so that's what that that those are the exploding ones. Now, so, so are they exploding at your place? No, no, they're fine. They're just when you pop it, okay. they kind of fizz a little extra. Okay, um, think like World Series celebration. You okay, know? Right. that's and, just and fun with me. Uh, a Formula One race, you know. Uh, well, you so know, here's yeah. a here's a funny story. I. One time met a guy, and he was a home winemaker, and he said, can I pick your brain? And I said, sure. So he picked my brain. He got him through um, uh, crushing the grapes and fermenting it. And then he called me on, like, November 1st, and he said, okay. He goes, I bottled it. And I said, what do you mean he bottled it? He goes, my Zinfandel. He goes, the cap sunk, so I went ahead and put it in bottles and corked it. And I said, wow. I said, you should send that in, you know, make sure it's dry, et cetera, et cetera. He called me about two months later, and he in his kitchen next to his oven where he kept his wine, um, bottles started popping corks oh, out God. the side. And it was a certain sort of pet nap, but without the crown cap. Right, right. <laughs> or the intent. <laughs> Sam, how does everybody get in touch with you? Uh, winery16600.com 16 a word 600 the number uh, you can just find me on social media at grapes with a view and then follow from there you're all over social media I saw a really nice piece in the Sonoma Sun about you as being one of the main real solid communicators during the fire so thank you you're, you're, it's, I'm you know 
You should. I've be been proud. saying it a lot lately, but uh, I, I'm so overwhelmed and humbled that I had that kind of ability to, you know, to play a role like that. Uh, you know, um, there was real heroes out there doing things, and I'm just, you know, I was stoked I could be a part of it. So, well, thank, thank you, John. Thank you so much, Brian. And you're 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 back to work. Um, most of the no, not back to work. Actually, not um, back to work. What are the nationwide insurance people leave me? Part time, um, <laughs> not on the schedule this week, but um, you know we are getting back to normal. Like like I, I think I was telling you guys before we started, I actually worked uh, a weekend night this week where we had a nice busy night. People Good. are starting to come back to town. You can tell when you drive through town. You can That's tell the whole thing. when you go to the taste rooms. Yeah. You can tell with the traffic that it's starting to happen again. So um, it has. It's just because I'm low man on the totem pole that. Um, I'm not officially back to work, and I'm not complaining at all. Get to spend a little more time at home um, and and hang out with you guys and drink good wine. And uh, Sam, are you going to the concert this weekend? Uh, Thursday night. Yeah, I'll be there. And I think Hamill is doing the, a... Oh, the uh, Hamill John, John Fogarty. Wow. That's, that's, uh, uh, I haven't found a, I can't find a that string money. I can pull to get it yeah. for free, and I don't have yeah. 10 grand ahead. So. Yeah. But, but yeah. what a great... Yeah, I know they're going to raise a million dollars. Two hundred, yeah. hundred? No, no, two million dollars. It's a hundred, hundred, ten thousand dollars a person. Two hundred people. people. And where is this? This is at Hamill's at, 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 at the property. And, with, and John Fogarty. So I think I'll go over to Bob Benino's place next door <laughs> right, and just listen. Hey, Bobby Benino. <laughs> and I know uh, Chris Sawyer is doing an event at Sebastopol Grill. That was actually, I think, this last weekend. Ah, oh, shit! I just saw the Instagram last night. Oh, maybe it's a secondary one. Yeah, I think they might be doing a new one. And okay. they're having an auction okay. for wines as well. So if you have time um, and you follow Chris uh, and Chris really Sawyer. There's, um, in cities all over America, they're doing these different uh, wildfire, you know, fire relief events with the Psalms and winemakers for California wildfire relief. Well, and so you, that's you, one you still have for, Houston going on, too. They still have Houston. You know, I don't mean, forget Puerto Rico. It's so. all screwed up. Yeah. You know, who knows? But... Well, the message here is we are open for business. And yeah, you come, keep drinking it, we'll keep c- making it. Yeah, come on out and head up to Healdsburg and and you know go to Karen's uh, place. Go see Karen. And I totally, I yeah, totally recommend that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. That's that, um, you're open on Sundays, right? If you want to come up, I'll meet you there. Okay, that's, because that's, that's, that's I don't see. That's the, my only I don't think it gets day. any better than that. Where a winemaker that makes killer wine says. If you want to come meet me and drink some good wine, give me a call and I'll meet you. Well, that we, just doesn't we'll happen. Do I'll make sure I'm there. Right. That is pretty much right. our only free day during the week. Right. Can, I, can I just say, if Kieran meets you at his winery on a Sunday afternoon, buy a case. Don't just meet <laughs> right. Kieran up like there a good idea. and only buy a couple yeah. bottles. Right. If you're doing that, he'll ship it to you. Buy a case. Ship? Yeah. No. Goes right in the right in the back of the car, <laughs> right next to Bart's. I'll do I'll do two at once. That's easy. So, um, big sh- big shout then, out to then stop, uh, out, uh, stop by your place. Want to get a shout out to Randy Hester? I told him that uh, uh-huh. Kieran was on the show today. So <laughs> Randy, uh, I and, think and he's and Randy Adams, said Kieran who? He's no, he did not. He's back in Texas. Um, but want to get a shout out to Texas Wines, Brooke um, and Randy Hester, right. two of our great friends. I when. Joan was gone in Budapest, and I I did not tell her this, but I mean I bought a couple of bottles of Lightning because I hadn't had them in so long. I don't know whether they stopped selling them 
at the girl in the figure. What? But the point is, There's, I, I just I shared them with myself, hmm. and that was perfect. Absolutely. Randy perfect. and I worked together at, at Cake Bread, so I've known him since basically when we both moved out here. We've we've known each other. Well, and if you're a lover of Grenache, yes. Um, yes. grab some lightning, yes. and then he does a blend called Cease and Desist. Um, perfect. Right. Um, grab some lightning wines, and or if you're a hockey fan and you like the what town is that where they have the lightning? That's, oh, that's Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay Lightning. If you're a fan of uh, hockey and you like Tampa Bay, <laughs> order, no order a case. Fans in actually, Tampa Bay. actually, you're gonna have to order two cases to give a bottle to every one of the players on the team. <laughs> well, and we're, we're every just every one of the people who like hockey in Tampa Bay. We're just kind of <laughs> upping the game here. You know, it's not you know buy a bottle. It's buy a case because if you don't and you love it, you're gonna wish you did. No, especially of the Chenin Blanc uh, from Dan Sullivan. <laughs> does, now it's $32. Does Bart make a Chenin Blanc? Yeah, Dan Sullivan make a Chenin yeah. I have no idea. I didn't either. Yeah, we have 127 I, cases left. <laughs> okay. How long do you think it's going to take you to sell it? I bet it's gone in the next two months. Yeah, Seriously, probably not. Christmas. I hope not. Uh, it needs to get into Oliver's by my house because then it would move real quick. Because I'd be, I'd be shilling. for my tour. Okay. You know, good. when you sell to Oliver's, that's how they do it. You go to all the stores and then you end up at the, right. in front of the big boss. And right. That wine would do very well at Oliver's. The wine's going to do well anywhere. It's fabulous. Well, it would stuff. do well at the one by my house because I'd be buying it. <laughs> so it's easier for you to go buy. That's all I want. I want the wines that I love to be available by my house. I don't want to buy it from these guys. I actually want to buy it at the store. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm a store guy too. I yeah. mean, I, I, I like going in and, and uh, talking to the folks at Sonoma Market or whatever it's called anymore. Yeah. Nugget, whatever. No, I think it lets them know that there is a market out there for that wine. So Absolutely. they will not only... If I buy it from Bart, I'm buying a case from him. But if I'm buying it from Oliver's, they go, oh, this one then, has a following. And everybody benefits. Right. Then, Absolutely. You know, it's totally. all okay. Absolutely. So. Yep. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Winemakers. I'm John Myers. We've had Bart Hansen. We've had Karen Robinson. Uh, Sam Katuri, as always. And, of course, Mr. Brian Casey. And happy anniversary to you, hey, John. Hey, and you Joan. Been, and yep. Thank you very much. Especially, John. Time. Yes. Right. And a shout, out exactly. to the, uh, shout out to the wife, to Terry. Christy, Alice, and Maria. Who all listen so religiously. Who support us uh, in our endeavors. All right. Peace and love, kids. We'll see you next week.